Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Estate Coaching Radio. We are your humble, happy hosts. I need to think of another H word to throw on top of that. <laughs> Broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas. Julia, I have to say, probably because I had a good night's sleep, or maybe it's because I had too much coffee, or maybe it's because it's such a beautiful Could day be here in lovely Austin, mm-hmm. Texas, but I am extremely motivated for today's radio show. Um, and, you know, I had this epiphany yesterday with Julie uh, about, like, what is it that we can do <laughs> that would somehow save all of our, certainly our loyal listeners, which is over 100,000 of you now, uh, from all the pain and anguish that so many agents seem to choose to uh, welcome into their lives. In other words, like if there was a list that we could come up with of the 10 things that most agents insist on learning the hard way, how beneficial would that be to you guys? Now, but here's the funny thing. When we are coming up with specific points for today's radio show, the 10 things that most agents insist on learning the hard way, uh, some of you will laugh because you'll say, yep, learn that one the hard way. Yep, learn that one the hard way. So you'll be laughing at yourself, hopefully. You'll be introspective. And you'll say, well, guess what? I had to learn that one the hard way 10 times. So here's the thought I want all of you to have, especially those of you who are going to be be exposing, like, new thoughts to today. Um, so write this down, guys, or at least mentally remember this. A smart man learns from the, uh, the mis- uh, you know, his own mistakes, right? Sure. I'm glad you guys are moving beyond. Uh, you realize you made a mistake, you're going to get better. Good for you. But a brilliant man or woman learns from the mistakes of others. A smart man learns from his own mistakes. A brilliant man learns from the mistakes of others. If you have access to a roadmap to build a successful real estate career, to have a successful business, to build uh, wealth for yourself, generational wealth, to become rich, okay? Don't be afraid of the word. Rich is when your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. If you had that roadmap and you knew it worked, like there's no question that this worked. It's not even debatable. Even the most skeptical, analytical types of you out there listening, you are 100% positively, beyond a shadow of doubt, convinced that this roadmap is going to get you to where you want to go. And, you know, you're going to exact know it's like the best GPS. As, you know, Julie, it's like these new cars, these autonomous mm-hmm. cars that are coming out, you know, that supposedly Google's busily, you know, mapping every single road and alleyway in the world, you know, making it so that their little uh, cars are going to have brains in them. They're going to know what's going to happen down the road before the car even gets there. So that's mm-hmm. the kind of level of description and detail I'm talking about. If you had access to that information, why wouldn't you use it? See, that's the thing that I don't understand. Honestly, I don't understand. And I refuse to even try to basically have any kind of, um, you know, I don't even know what there the word is. There is no be. reason. They, you're just a blockhead. There no, it's insanity. I mean, there's no reason. They don't get to have but, a reason. But it is. It's, well, Julie, yeah. you're a believer in classical training because you're a classical musician. You're mm-hmm. a Pilates yoga, you know, guru. You, you know, basically you do things at a very high level to the point where, and you come from a family of teachers. Your great grandfather was a, a noted, you know, um, you know, I, I'm, he basically was a famous psychiatrist in essence. 
your great 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 uncle or grandfather or whatever was a famous friend. I mean, you have. So when I am suggesting this to you, you're like, duh. But why is it that so yeah. many people out there struggle with the idea of following a map when it's 100% positively beyond a shadow of doubt going? Why is it they insist on making the mistakes opposed to learning from the mistakes of others? Help me understand. That is an excellent question. <laughs> I think the coaches ask themselves that quite frequently. We had calls about that today. And, and why is it? I think that for some people it just seems easier to throw excuses out there than to just do the work because just doing the work, yeah, it can make you uncomfortable sometimes. I mean, believe me, the first time I started doing Pilates, first, I don't know, three weeks I was sore from it because I didn't really, I was building the skill. So, yes, that caused pain versus me saying, you know what, maybe I can do something better or different than Pilates. I don't really need to learn that. So I think that some of it may be laziness, some of it may be blockheadedness slash ego, and some of them are just in the habit of making those excuses. And I, I did have a several conversations with different coaches today where they said, well, isn't the answer to just take action, just do it, not to sound like a Nike commercial, but isn't the answer to just do it? Yes, it is, but you've got to sometimes wade through all kinds of mindset challenges to get there. And that's why, like what I just said, you know, you don't really get to have an excuse when you know, basically, it's been laid out just like Google's laying it out for those smart cars. If somebody says to you, hey, follow this, it's going gonna, it's going to save you some stress and pain and anxiety and probably some money, you know, just embrace it. Just let all the other well, stuff well, go. But, let it melt but seriously, away. But Jill, Jill, I know mm-hmm. it's a tough question, and I haven't obviously discovered the answer either. But beyond, you know, you're giving a sanitized answer, my dear, because we're on the radio and there's hundreds of thousands of people listening, and I know you're trying to basically give an answer that will mm-hmm. raise too many cackles because you're nicer than I am by a country well, mile, as everyone knows. Okay, but, but Julie, but why is it that when you tell mm-hmm. someone, uh, like, for example, when you have a coaching client where you say, say this, do this, <laughs> where they say this, you do this, and you kind of walk them through the dance of being a successful listing agent, mm-hmm. when they say, well, I'm going to try it this way, or when they say, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to do it this way, even though thousands of people have proven that this particular path will get you to the desired result, what is it specifically that's being triggered in their head? In your professional coach's opinion from having had literally over 100,000 one-on-one coaching calls with agents, why is it that agents are doing that? When they have the information in front of them, mm-hmm. they've listened to their coach tell them what they do, they've listened to videos, they've listened to audios, they have everything right in front of them, and yet they still choose to pivot and try it a different way. Why do they do that? Well, I think that there's one of two answers, and they're closely related. They, it's either fear of success what happens if it actually works like it was promised? Oh, my gosh, I might actually have to go on a competitive listing appointment this afternoon. What am I going to do? And it creates new anxieties that haven't been dealt with yet. Or it's the fear of failure. What if I don't do it exactly right? You know, perfectionism plays into this sometimes. I might be embarrassed, which is an ego thing. And sometimes it's a mixture of both depending on what level of skill we're talking about and what type of agent. So it's either fear of success or fear of failure is what it really boils down to. And ultimately, they may just be more comfortable going through life, doing the things they've been doing, you know, and then you get down to it and you say, well, are you really comfortable? Or in order for you to get to the next level and meet or exceed your real goals, assuming that you've worked on that, you know, if you knew that that required you to be a little uncomfortable but you'd be successful as a result of that, doesn't it make it worth your trouble to jump two feet in? 
So, so you're saying I don't know that there's a specific answer for everyone, but I think for most right. people, it's fear of success or fear of failure or some mixture. Well, what I'm hearing you say basically is a lot of people figure that neutral or being complacent with things in life is the desired goal. So if they can get to the point where they're comfortable, where they're comfortable right. enough, where they're financially secure enough. Okay, so is complacency, like complacency is an obvious behavior, right? It's a label for mm-hmm. a behavior of someone that in essence is being lazy or taking something for granted. They're taking mm-hmm. their health for granted. They're taking their relationships for granted. Sure. They're taking their business for granted. They're taking their spouse for granted. They're, okay, that's a, a word. But is that, is complacency, is that really real? I mean, can you, is, is anything in life beyond mindset complacent? Is there any aspect of where you are right now, Julie, in your office you know, is there anything that's not changing? I mean, so in essence, what I'm asking is, being complacent is in essence basically deciding to fail, is it not? Absolutely it is. It's it's a level of giving up. Explain. Well, I mean, look at, it, at various things to your point. You know, if you just leave something alone, generally it doesn't get better. It generally <laughs> degrades, okay? You can't just plant a flower and not water it it's going to lose its moisture, it's going to go back to the earth. Even, you know, I mean, you can take any example. The chair sitting in my office right now, if I don't dust it, it's going to get an inch of dust on it, and it's going to eventually deteriorate into nothing. Things have a tendency not to get better when left alone, but to actually take some work. If all you do is sit on your couch all day long, you're going to get fatter. That's just the way it is. You're not going to get more healthy. You're going to get less healthy. Our brains work in the same way. I listened to an interesting TED Talk uh, yesterday that was talking about how, you know, the philosophy used to be you get paid because people won't be motivated unless they're paid. But, in fact, they've studied people, you know, that were factory, you know, in low-skilled jobs and stuff like that where actually their minds were starting to deteriorate and that they had to stay engaged and change their activity, that that was actually more important than the paycheck. Because otherwise, yeah, maybe you're just, you know, you're making enough, but you're not adding to your brain. You're not adding to your physical presence. You're just deteriorating. And that, in fact, if they're not stimulated, they end up making mistakes. It gets worse. Everything degrades. I mean, look at how people are on the freeway when they're complacent. That's what causes accidents. So there's that's nothing right. really great about complacency, as far as I can tell. Well, so that's somebody a perfect can come pivot up with something. I'm open. That's <laughs> well. Ahead. That's in essence what the topic is focused on today, guys. We want you not to learn from the mistake, your own mistakes. Don't go through the pain of making your own mistakes. Learn from the mistakes of others. Um, to Julie's point, to the questions that we, this conversation, we unscripted conversation we've had going back and forth. Really, what happens is. is when you guys allow yourself to be lulled into complacency about your your centers of influence and past clients, your scripts, your listing prison, this is all assuming you have these things in to begin with, your pre-listing pack, your market, your appearance, your clothes, your relationships, your your relationship with God, your everything. When you allow those things to become complacent, they you will not maintain them. You will not keep them. You will lose them. Here's a real practical example. Let's say you are fortunate enough to have some financial security and you've saved up whatever in your mind is enough money to give you financial security. You've got this money socked away, and you're saying, okay, well, you know what? I don't even have to work that hard anymore. I'm good. Well, guess what? 
uh, company or company, the country owes eighteen trillion dollars. The currency is losing value. The buying power of your money uh, today is degrading faster than it ever has at any time in history. That is a fact. So your dollar today doesn't buy what a dollar bought even last year, does it? There's noticeable uh, devaluing going on. Notice how at the grocery store uh, things are like lesser quantity for the same, if not more, money. These are all little side effects of essentially what's happening. With the so my point is we're not going to have an economic conversation, not to worry. The point is, is financial security is another place where I see you guys becoming complacent, and it causes massive problems. You'll have a certain number of closings set aside. You'll have some money socked away. You'll have your financial house in order. Literally, your house is paid off. You've been with us for a long time. You know that our business, our, our philosophy is focused on uh, essentially profit and getting to the point where you guys are rich, again, where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. Right? We're not focused on ego stuff. We're not focused on making you into rock stars or superstars. We're focusing on making you guys rich. And a little epiphany for some of you, those two things very rarely go hand in hand. You have to at some point make a decision whether you want to be famous or whether you want to be rich. Most famous people, especially agents, are not rich. They're a couple bad months away from uh, financial ruin. If you don't believe me, go back to 2007 and 8 when the markets crashed and see how fast the top producing agents in your marketplace went from the ones that were successful during the boom to the ones that basically were able to pivot and be successful. Sometimes they're the same, but usually they weren't. It's because they chose to be famous, supposed to be rich. If you are thinking that you have financial security, if you're thinking you have security in your skill set, in your mindset, and you're not constantly trying to change those things, you will lose what you have. That's the irony of the word complacency. It's not real. It's fake. It's in your head. You have to always be looking to improve. Always be looking to make your skill set better. Always be looking, like Julie watches TED Talks, right? She was, you know, doing the accounting with our bookkeeper, and I know she had TED Talks on in the background. <laughs> Keep yourself stimulated so she can learn. You've got to be doing the same things. I think intuitively you know that or you wouldn't be listening to this radio show. That's the reason you guys listen every day, isn't it? So we do our best to try to keep you guys challenged and on the edge of basically realizing that, you know what, complacency is, in essence, giving up. Complacency equals failure. You guys should have that uh, tattooed on your brains. So, Julie, let's get to our content. All right, you got it. So, again, we're talking about ten things that most agents insist on learning the hard way. And by the way, guys, this list didn't come from us Googling it. It's because many of these things we learned the hard way back before there actually was real coaching in the world. And we lived it, and the coaches have lived it, and this is just, you know, kind of close to our hearts, right? This isn't because we just read a book about it. It's because this is the real deal. So I just had to prequel that a little bit. Okay, Mm -hmm. so one of the things that most agents insist on learning the hard way. Number one, most agents learn the hard way to, here's a huge one, actually pre-qualify buyers before spending time with them. Pre-qualify them for motivation, for time frame, and financial ability to proceed with the transaction. So what's the specific mistake? Showing before you pre-qualify. Then finding out they're not qualified, working with the other, another agent possibly, or going directly to the seller. So the, there's several mistakes that come from not pre-qualifying your buyers. Again, you find out they're not just working with you. They're not actually able to buy anything. I remember when I, I have very specific memories of, uh, I'll give a quick example. We had a transaction in contract. 
maybe our first all-cash transaction, which it was like, woohoo! I don't have to deal with FHA financing or anything funky or gift money or any of that back then. They're all cash. Well, about a week before closing, we found out the cash was actually contingent on a divorce settlement that hadn't happened yet. Okay, because even though they were cash at that point, and you know we hadn't learned to pre-qualify a cash buyer. After that point, we were crystal clear that that was a necessity. So again, learn from our mistakes so that you don't have to live through your own. What's the solution? Use a proven pre-qualifying script with all of your buyers, cash and otherwise. What must you find out? Well, basics are, are they working with anyone else? What's their time frame? Why are they making the move? What's their financing situation? Assuming you find out what they want, assuming that you find the product that they want, are they ready to actually move forward? You know, some people do have their financing together. They have real motivation, but there's something else standing in the way. Even if you do send, you know, show them something that's perfect for them, they still aren't popping, so you've got to ask the right so questions. Let, let's give them a question. So, Mr. Buyer, on the scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most, 10 being you would do it immediately. If I were to show you the house that met all your needs, the house you've been looking for, hoping for, dreaming about, on a scale of 1 to 10, Mr. Buyer, where would you rate your motivation to buy that house today? And they say well, a 7. probably a 7. Okay, set, thank you, Julie. And you seven. That's interesting, Julie. So um, what would it take to get you to a 10? Well, I mean, I'd have to be sure that I could sell my old house first. Oh, okay. So when you guys ask questions like that, what you'll discover is as soon as I uh, get my transfer or as soon as I decide, find out whether or not I'm taking the new job or not, as soon as I basically get the inheritance or as soon as I fill in the blank. So you need to ask questions like that at the start. I want to clear the air about something. Buyers are not liars. You just didn't ask enough questions. So you have to... 100%. Right. You have to get to the point where everything that if all of you have had bad experiences with buyers. When Julie got got into real estate over 20 years ago, we had bad experiences with buyers. Why? Because we did not pre-qualify. Why? Because we did not ask the right questions. As Julie said back then, there were no coaches to basically show us what to do and what not to do and how to ask questions, how not to ask questions. We know all that now, obviously. So when you have had bad experiences with buyers, don't just summarily say, well, buyers are liars, it's their fault. No, it's your fault. Take responsibility for everything because what that does is it opens the door for you to have to improve. If you're blaming the lender, if you're blaming the other realtor, if you're blaming the inspector, if you're blaming fill in the blank. So that well, that's complacency, itself, isn't it? Right, exactly. You're trying to lull yourself into complacency by not taking responsibility for what happened versus had you actually followed the system, asked the right questions and you know, followed the the map, you would have had the results that you desired and you would have saved everyone a lot of time. It's about being a professional. It's about being of service to others. It's about basically focusing on, yes, getting paid, yes, earning money, but by doing so, by following a system, you're going to make it so that you truly are helping others. You're helping the, other, the buyer get into the home that they want. You're helping the seller, even if they're not your seller, get them, you know, move on with their lives. You're helping that other agent get paid. You're helping, helping, helping. Thousands of people sometimes on these more complicated deals are benefiting from your helping mindset, and then you get paid. Julie, what's the next point? Next point is closely related. Most agents learn the hard way to pre-qualify their sellers before uh, setting a listing appointment. The mistake is going to a listing appointment without knowing that they're ready to list, without knowing that you're competing, without knowing the seller's pricing in their own head, without knowing the seller's motivation. 
making all of these assumptions, and then what happens? You walk away without a contract, or you walk away with something overpriced, and you go, gosh, I wonder what happened there. It's because you failed to pre-qualify the sellers before setting a listing appointment. What's the solution? Use a proven pre-qualifying script, which answers all of those questions and more. Build rapport while you also are preparing your presentation. Be a good pre-qualifying script, especially for sellers. The sellers are actually going to tell you what's important to them, which makes closing for the appointment logical and easy. Or, in some cases, you may decide that it's not time for an appointment yet, or perhaps the nature of this appointment is going to be different than what you thought. Maybe it's a two-step and you're going to go there to help them stage it before you have the real conversation. But you don't know if you don't ask the right questions. You know, how many times have you walked into a, what you thought was a regular listing appointment, and it turns out that they forgot about the appointment, you know, you only knew them online, you don't really have any details, and then you find out that they're 100000 over what the real price is. Well, that's not their fault. That's the agent's fault for not asking the questions. Back to our complacency discussion, right? And then most of those agents will spend their time blaming the seller. Well, it wasn't a real listing anyway. Well, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. You didn't ask, ask any questions. So agents tend to have to learn the hard way on this by going on multiple experiences like that before they go, huh, maybe I should be asking more questions before I show up. Well, Does that make sense to so let's drill, let's drill, yeah, Of course. Let's drill down, though. I didn't take the listing because the agent cut their commission. I didn't take the listing because the other agent bought the listing and they overpriced it. I didn't take the listing because the other agent had some sort of personal inroad. They sit next to him at church or whatever. I didn't take the no. listing, fill in the blank, excuse, excuse, excuse. What you're trying to do when you make an excuse, when you say any of those things to yourself, when you rationalize your failure, oh, Tim and Julie, stop using those words. They're not motivational. <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. too painful because it's the truth. It'll get you to the result the fastest. If you just use real words and stop trying to sanitize everything in your mind for your own protection, you will find that very quickly you will start changing and evolving to a point where you can be of service to others at a higher level. So if you ask the questions ahead of time and you walk into a listening presentation and you ahead of time, are you listening? You know what the seller thinks the house is worth. That's part of our script. It's part of our proven home selling system. It's part of the whole process. You've got to know what they think it's worth before you get there. If you know who they're interviewing, not if, but who, before you get there. If you know what their possible objections are before you get there. If you know um, what their true motivation is before you get there. In other words, you are 100% prepared. There's no chance that some monster is going to jump out of the closet while you're sitting mm-hmm. there cell at the kitchen table and try to bite your head off. You've already covered all the objections. Then there is no stress to the listing presentation. It's fun. All you have easier. to do is follow the road quite, quite a bit. It is. Yes. Follow the roadmap. Ask the right questions in the right order. You'll get to the desired result. Stop winging it. I don't care if it worked for you 10 years ago. It's not going to work now. Hey, seasoned grizzled agents, you better wake the heck up. The people getting into this business, they are really friggin' smart. And they're not, at, they're not coming to the business like a lot of us did. You know, Julie and I came to this business basically right out of college. A lot of you came into this business for a lot of other sort of not very professional reasons. You didn't have any alternatives. It was something that you thought might be fun. You liked houses. It was, um, you know, you couldn't find a job. You know, very few people are growing up with their kids and, you know, saying, I want to grow up and be a realtor. I know of maybe none. Right? Right? This is a career that people come to for the most part. Do I believe that this is a brilliant career? Yes, I do. Do I believe that this is, an, and obviously I do, do I believe that this is probably, honestly, one of the best 
ways, if you're an entrepreneur and you're willing to work your ass off to earn money, it's incredible. There is no, truthfully, guys, if you had to choose between buying a McDonald's uh, franchise or getting a real estate license, you will be way better off in most markets getting a real estate license. If you have to choose between starting a local dress shop, a pie shop, anything that would be a traditional entrepreneurial thing to do, even a fancy website, even some of these online things, you're going to be 99% of the time, if your goal is to make money, be better off getting a real estate license. This is an incredible career, incredible opportunity. If you don't think of it that way, guess what? You will have your lunch eaten by these new agents that are getting into the business. These guys, they're not just in their 20s and 30s. A lot of them are in their 40s and their 50s. They are professionals. They have MBAs. They've come from professional backgrounds. Guys, they laugh at their competition. We have these guys as coaching clients. They can't believe you they're guys. They're great too, by the way. Oh, they're great coaching clients. Yeah, they're hell yeah, they're easy they are. to coach. Because they, you know, they're the common like, comment is, I walked into this office and I looked around and I couldn't believe what I saw. I'm going to be a rock star at this. It's got to be easy. And they are, you know, and that's what's yeah. happening. Yeah. No, nobody's talking about. Uh, maybe we should propose this to Inman, but well, they are talking about it. They touch around it, you know. But the reality of it is, is the nature of the agent, of the typical agent the mindset of the new people getting into the business is different than it was 10 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. it's different because they're seeing it, honestly, guys, they're honest, straightforward, professional, experienced business people or people in their 20s or 30s that are looking for an opportunity to really build. They're coming to it as uh, with the mindset of building a really successful business as quick as possible centered around profit. They're not going to be lulled into all these other things that, say, people from our generation and the baby boomers were. These are the folks that are going to change the rules. And when, as Julie just said, when they come to us as a coaching client, they don't have to be uh, manipulated, waffled around. They don't have to spend, you know, we don't spend a lot of time trying to convince them to follow the map. They just do it. And they, you know who they are because they're the ones that are becoming very dominant in your marketplace. Please believe me when I tell you, in most major markets, there's going to be a massive change in who the agents are that are doing the deals over the next 36 to 48 months because of this change in this mindset. When you go to a, any kind of national real estate event, you can feel it. It doesn't literally, the energy's different. It's because there's new people in it. There's new energy that's coming into our industry. It's exciting, but on the other side of it as a real estate coach, I feel a little bit sad for agents out there that don't get it because they're the ones that mm-hmm. who are complacent, who have essentially basically ridden, uh, you know, climbed all the way to the top of this mountain. They think they've got it figured out. They're not constantly looking to change and update. They're not evolving. Again, they're complacent. They're the ones that are going to be the easy targets for these top for these new agents that are coming into the industry. I am uh, I'm not scared for you guys because especially if you're listening. Um, you have access to the information. So if you choose not to listen, if you choose not to take uh, advantage of it, that's you're signing yourself up for your own failure. I feel sad for the ones that don't realize it's about to happen to them because a lot of them, Julie, as you know, are in their mm-hmm. 50s and 60s, and um, they might not have the same energy level that they did back when they got into business. And they're the ones that are going to basically, they thought they were going to have these really nice retirement age type things happening, and they're not because they are not evolving and changing. Those are the people I feel sad for. But that aside, yeah, what's our agree. next point? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next point, also 
closely related. A lot of these mistakes are, are sort of intertwined with each other. Most agents learn the hard way by ignoring the need for a proven listing system, system okay, instead of being assumptive and winging your appointment. So the mistake is waiting until you lose a critical listing that you thought you had in the bag and then getting your system in place. The solution is to perfect your system for pre-qualifying, presenting, and closing. What most agents don't realize is that you are presenting from the moment you convert that from a lead to a prospect and then to an appointment. You already are having to compete, sometimes against yourself and your own tendencies, sometimes against the agent who sold them the house, but you've got to have your system together that starts the moment that you recognize that as a listing lead and does not end, your system for listing does not end until that seller has closed. And that, that's a major business uh, maturity item for most agents. And generally, I mean, we have many, many examples where we've had this discussion, either ourselves as coaches or our coaches, where, you know, the agent really, they recognized it, but they didn't do anything about it until they lost a really critical, important listing that they would have sworn they had in the bag no problem. And a lot of this is simple, crazy, silly mistakes, like showing up late because you figure it doesn't matter, or not sending a pre-listing package because you figure it doesn't matter, you got it in the bag. Okay? Not being as careful on pricing because, you know, you've got the relationship, you're set. And then some other agent, like you were just talking about, Tim, actually takes the listing, sells it, and makes the commission that you were counting on. Maybe for your Christmas presents next year, maybe for paying your taxes, something you were really counting on. That's when we get the call, all right, I'm ready to be a real listing agent. And then you miraculously become coachable, which is fine well, I if you want to wait that Joel, long. I we'll still be here. I don't mind uh, advertising the mistakes that we made. So this was back when Julie and yeah. I were in our early 20s. Some of you knew, hopefully, I don't know how much you guys know, but our first year in the business, we sold over 100 houses, you know, one at a time. Now, we're in our 40s, and this is back when we were in our early 20s, but there you go. And, but I remember after you and I were selling between 100 and 200 houses fairly consistently, this was like our third year in the business, um, there was a listing, perfect listing, farm. We'd sold a million like it. It should have been just basically an absolute, easy, nothing, you know, like it's normal listing for us. So mm -hmm. went to the house, did the cat and monkey show. That's what we call a listing presentation. And um, it wasn't working. And this is before our listing presentation is like it is now. This is what one of the, these types of experiences caused us to change our listing presentation and make it better. So the version you guys have is the version that not only had we honed and tested to near perfection, but also now, I think more importantly, to be honest with you, we've had literally thousands of coaching clients in all markets and all, pre all price ranges and, you know, everywhere, selling all kinds of different – they've all tested, they've all proven it, they've all made, helped us make it better and evolve it. It's not a static thing. Trust me when I tell you, we do not allow ourselves to become complacent. So I remember asking the seller, she ended up listing with this other agent, and this other agent, and I looked at them last, I remember – had no houses sold, had, was a brand-new licensee, the whole nine yards. And I remember asking the seller, why did you list with the other agent? Because, you know, you want to learn, right? And um, they said this answer. They, she asked for the listing. I thought to myself, what? <laughs> right? Oh, I remember she that. Oh, I yeah, I know. That. <laughs> I know. Oh, well, gosh. your example was making me think mm -hmm. of that. Right. She asked mm -hmm. for the listing. I thought to myself, she asked for the listing. I didn't ask for the listing? No. I'd become too assumptive. I was basically walking in there acting like I had already, I was almost entitled to it. I was getting, see what happened? So I learned from mm -hmm. my own mistake, and that was, you know, forever ago, a couple decades ago. And obviously we didn't make that same mistake twice. 
and we evolved our presentation, we evolved our pre-listing pack, we evolved everything so that that never happened again. Learn from someone else's mistakes, guys. Don't wait around to make the same mistake that we did. Um, I have got to go. Julie's got to go. We have another call. Uh, here's the thing. Okay. If you guys need any help, which hopefully a lot of you are realizing that you do, request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. This is going to be a two-part show, maybe a three-part show. Um, mm-hmm. Anything we can do for you at any time, request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. <laughs> well, I got an email saying I talk too fast. Um, oh, so there it is, okay. <laughs> right? And if you ever have any show ideas, which I appreciate, or any suggestions on who, uh, folks we might be interviewing, email Julie or I directly. It's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Guys, our goal every time we do a radio show is to educate you, motivate you, but most importantly get you into action. Please get into action. Do something with this information. You know, I appreciate the fact that we're keeping you company while you're having your lunch. I get it. You know, that's how a lot of you guys listen to us while you're having your lunch, sitting at your desks. I get it. That's fine. But now, please do something with this information. If you don't even, if you're not motivated to do it for yourself, do it for your family. Do it for, if you're so rich, you don't even need the money and all your family members have everything they've ever possibly wanted in life for the none of you out there who that is like, then maybe you earn the money and you donate it to a charity or you whatever, right? Just please don't sit on this information. Take action. Educate, motivate, get you into action. Now it's your turn. Take the action. If there's anything we can ever do for you, reach out. We're easy to find. Request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Julie, anything else you'd like to say to these guys as we round the bend? Nope. Julie already hung up. See, there you go. You guys have a great, great day. We'll talk to you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.